What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Okay, you know, like at camps and stuff like this, you take the ball out. You ain't getting the ball back. <laughs> like, you the last one up the court. They already did their thing. So I stopped there, and I just got into a rhythm and started hooping. The Lakers should sign Trey Young this summer. They got to kind of start preparing for, like, if LeBron's last year is this year or next year, whenever it is. And I feel like a uh, pick and roll with AD and a guy like Trey Young would be deadly. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. A student, popular football player, evil child molester. We find the defendant guilty. I've never woken up in the morning and wondered, did we get the wrong guy? This trial was a sham. There's been an outcry. He's a great guy. He was absolutely guilty. They got it wrong. Initially, I was pretty convinced of his innocence. Now I wouldn't be surprised either way. Welcome back to a special quarantine edition. We got a real special guest. What's up with you, Brody? With the virtual handshake. I'm going to tell y'all something that I never told nobody. I want all the smoke. Welcome back to another quarantine edition of All the Smoke. I'm excited about this one. Dumb this is, like, this, get ready this is to a laugh. This is a this is the A list edition. Like I mean, I, I I think we outdid ourselves here, Jack. Shit. Yeah, man, I I can't believe it. I mean, go ahead and just introduce me, man. Let's get this you, shit started. You, you can't even spit that shit out. I know you excited. I can't even get it out. I ain't got to lick my lips or nothing. My shit ain't even hatched. I'm ready to go. That <laughs> nigga ready to go. All right, man. <laughs> welcome. One of the greatest. Hottest actors of our generation, uh, slash trendsetting, slash. Ground, yeah, groundbreaking musician, jack of all trades. If you don't mind me using that term, welcome Jamie Fox. Thanks for the Jamie, coming on, man. Yeah, man. Come on, man. man. You ain't gotta do all that, man. We homies, man. Yeah, but well, hold on. We gotta. The, the rest of the world gotta know, man. You, you. I'm we, never we saying, with you. man. You left out super party thrower. Man, what? <laughs> that shit up. Come on, man. Yeah. I Yo, gotta I be able to do what I do. I still Dude. got chicks I talked to that I met at your party. What was that, 10 <laughs> years ago? Man. How long ago was Bro, that? Yo, yeah, hey, 10, 10 years hey, ago? It don't matter. About 10 years ago, Yo. you know, and you came in all the smooth, the light-skinned, smooth-ass nigga. You know, they're going to Hey, I remember the, 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 the legendary session we had in your studio. 
That oh, shit, yeah. y'all yeah, was man. singing, rapping, smoke. Uh, Stoop was in there. Yeah. This shit was, ooh. Yeah, yeah, man. You, but you know that's that's really kind of hard. How I got into the business, really? like throwing throwing parties, man. Like uh, back in the day, like I had just got on this little show called In Living Color. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, dog, and and. I wasn't I wasn't nobody, but like I talked to this girl, really pretty, and I said, How do I get people to come to my party? She said, Jamie, throw parties, invite the girls, but don't put no pressure on them. I said, What you mean? She said, don't put no pressure on them. Make sure they can have a good time, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Relax. I said, Cool. So I throw this little, it was a Halloween party, dog, and I went all out. I spent like eight hundred dollars. <laughs> I had a, I had a catered. Killing now, you know back then. That's, this, some, tell, that's, me, that's me, early 90s. Me, that, me, that's, me, that's, that's early 90s. That's early 90s. Straight up. Hell that's yeah. like 20,000. That's 20 <laughs> rats at that point. So I went all out. I went all out, dog. And it, like, it was a Halloween party in like 1030. Wasn't nobody at the crib. I said, damn. I done blew it. I done spent all this money. Got barbecued, whatever, fuck. And then like 1130, they started rolling in. And then that's Yo-Yo came. Oh, okay. Ooh. Ooh. Back, in the, uh, back in the day. Hell yeah. Uh, all, all the, you know, all the cast was coming, but I was wondering who big was going to show up to stamp the party. And nigga, I'm looking outside and this motherfucking black, X, what is it? NXS or the, what's that? The black XS? What's that car? Uh, uh, the Nissan, what was the Nissan? Yeah, the XS? Oh, oh yeah, Nissan. the XS. Yeah, that black, whatever the fuck yeah. that shit was. Black ass car, nigga. The shit was rich looking. And Wesley Snipes got out the hey. motherfucker. And came hey, to my. I said, oh, this, oh, this, yeah. is, Blade. It's it's over. Over. this is the Blade. Blade, 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 Blade is in the building. <laughs> and you know, that nigga came up. <laughs> I hear I hear parties going on. <laughs> is that what this is about? <laughs> I said, oh, shit. <laughs> so that started like this tradition, man, of like just getting everybody in the in the, in the same place, man. And and I would invite, I would invite musical people, because I wanted to get into music too. I would invite music people to the crib. So when you saw Snoop and all them, that was just like part of mm-hmm. what I had been doing since shit, man. I, I remember, I remember the biggest one was in 2000. Mm. And we had uh that's when Puff was hot. Puff was like, you know, on his shit. You know what I'm saying? This nigga would come to LA and shut all the clubs down and we couldn't even get in our own club, that type of <laughs> shit. <laughs> And so uh, I threw this, it was a house party, and uh, Puff, Puff had threw a party for like a million dollars in Philly. Damn. And I was, I used to follow him with a camera. I said, he said, yo, Playboy, this party's a million dollars. I said, what the fuck, a million dollars for a party? I said, Puff, I threw a party in LA for $400 <laughs> that'll rival, that'll rival this party. And he got mad. He said, oh, nigga, don't play. I said, no, I'm just saying, man, you know. So he comes to LA, he gets here. Uh, he calls me like a Saturday morning. He said, yo, play one, make that shit happen. So I called up, you know, me and Dave Brown, called up some girls or whatever like that. And I have my little small house like uh, over there in, a, in, a, in Van Alden. And so about 12 noon, I called him. I said, bro, you better get here. It's fever pitch. And when he got there, he walks in. He said, that's the girl from that show. And that's the girl from that movie. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We all know each other. But look on the table. I got Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> I got Coca-Cola in a, in, a, in, a, in a pitcher. I said, we $208 and it's a fever pitch. And at that, at that point, nigga, it was everybody. Missy had a room. Missy Elliott had a room. Yeah. Missy was hot. But then it was a dude standing on the, um, standing on the wall that didn't nobody know who he, who he was. Guess who it was? He had a tracksuit jacket on. Guess who it was? It was Jay-Z. What? Damn. Nobody knew who he was. And I walked up to him. He said, yo, nice party. It's crazy. <laughs> like the short time. I said, yeah, it's crazy. So he was there. 
Uh, Pharrell was there. So that tradition, we just keep it rolling. You put that shit on. I mean, hands down, yeah. this motherfucker thought <laughs> look, the look best Look, Steve. Look, Steve. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's nice parties. like this all the time. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that, all hey, Jack's I, been I'm talking about, all listen, Jack's been I'm talking about is this part. He wants you hey, to impersonate. Yeah, listen, go ahead. I'm, go ahead. I'm laughing. I'm laughing. I'm laughing because all every time I see you do impersonation, bro, I just think of Rodney Earl Booms, bro. He said he blazed trail Steve. niggas get burned on. I blaze my fucking trail. I, I, I understand me the niggas get burned on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Steve, Steven, I owe you something though, man. What's that? I've been stealing from you, bro. What's that? I've been stealing. You don't you don't even know. Look, you know, I'm still in the, I'm still in the gym, dog, trying to hoop. Uh-huh. And you know, I would have made it to the league, dog. It's just my calf muscles. I didn't have no calf muscles. <laughs> but check this. Every time we battling and I got the ball oh, God, and it's 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 last shot, you know what I say. You make love of pressure. pressure. I make love of pressure. I make love of pressure. I make love of pressure. <laughs> what a shirt's at? <laughs> what a shirt's at, baby. Hey, hey, I look, make love to pressure, I, bro. I, I told Matt, you Tell told me. story, man. I told Matt, you told me at the game, at the, uh, the Luda game, he was like, Jack, I was walking and like, what's up, Jamie? I was just happy to see him. You know what I'm saying? You put him to your side, like, bro. The game was going on, Matt. He walked behind the bench and pulled me to the side while he was coaching the game. He's like, look, bro, I don't know what you got going on, but I'll make love to pressure. We need, you need to make oh, the T-shirts. Bro. What the T-shirt said right now. <laughs> <laughs> we need to bro. make it right now. <laughs> but, 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 Frank, but tell a story, though, because I'll be telling people it was, it was the tell a story about they was asking you what you would have done in that situation. Yeah, that, uh, it was a reporter. It was a reporter, and... Uh, it was I was I had made a lot of uh, big shots with the Spurs, and yeah. uh, and it was asking me like, well, you know, you, you it's your first time in these moments, you know, what I'm saying, and, you, and you've been dealing well with pressure. I say, well, you know, where I'm from, I'm from part of the Texas, we make love to pressure. Oh my God, bro, I almost, <laughs> almost threw my shoe at the, at the television. I said, oh, I'm like, nigga, ain't nobody ever said nothing like that in all the interviews you done seen. That's the coolest shit in the world. That motherfucker say, I make love to pressure. Hey, you I'm, nigga look at the I'm, camera. I'm going to make some shirts and, just, and send you one just so we can have, just so me and dog, you can have them, dog. We gonna, nigga, we going to make the shirts. We going to make the song. I make love to pressure. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's the song. Yeah, that's, that's the song. Yes. <laughs> Do you want to make love? Do you want to make the genuine pressure? Uh, baby, hair <laughs> baby hair production. <laughs> <laughs> baby hair production. I make love oh, to shit. pressure. Yeah, oh, my motherfucking man. face hurt. We ain't even started yet. God damn. God, man. Y'all the colors with this. Hey, man, we appreciate you. Let's get to it, though, man. Only the second male in history to receive two Oscar nominations uh, for two different yeah. movies for African-American yeah. to do it. The only other person to do it was Al Pacino. We know it was a grind, but in that moment... Being that part of history, what did that mean to you? In order to get to that history, we had to go back of what I what I went through. You know, it, it's sort of like I I I, I reference everything like sports. You know, being a rookie on a living color, or uh, with the Wayans, you know, I was like the eighth funniest person. Imagine walking into you, the eighth funniest person. Mm, it was it was Keenan, it was it was Damon, it was the fucking Tommy Davidson. Them motherfuckers was incredible. So I had to learn how to really compete and. Keenan told me something, man, that I'll never forget. Keenan was tough on us. And y'all remember, I don't know if y'all remember this era, because it was like, you know, back, back no, in the day. No, come on, man. Living Colors is one of my favorite shows. Listen, when we was on that show, bro, think about it. It was only 22 minutes of airtime. 
So it was just like getting game time. Mm-hmm. So in order for you to get game time, I mean, you had to beat Jim Carrey. Yeah. You had to beat D- Damon Wayans. And, and Keenan said, listen, man, as a black comedian, if you ain't great, you ain't shit. He said, so I'm going to hold y'all to greatness. So I just I just maintained that, man. And, 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 and like, like from doing the stand-up comedy, trying to be great at that, uh, from 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 watching Eddie Murphy on stage. Like, I snuck in and watched Eddie Murphy on stage when I was 19. I watched Adam Sandler do his first gig, Chris Rock, all that. So I just kept saying, if I could just beat the next motherfucker in the room, Mm -hmm. I will always have a way to make my way through this business. And then finally, look, man, uh, Ray Charles came along. Uh, uh, That movie came along. And it was like I had been preparing myself, not knowing that this movie was gonna come along. But my, mm-hmm. but but when I got with the director, the director was like, you know, when we first started working on Ray. First of all, I had to be 157 yeah, pounds. It was a bunch that was of the weight. First time. Yeah. Yeah. So I was so right now, you know, I'm walking around now because I'm getting ready to jump up to this Tyson thing. I'm walking around now like 205, but I had to drop to 157. Mm. And then he was like, okay. I, I got a problem. I said, I got to be able to hold the camera on you, but I need somebody to play the piano for you. I said, no, man. Uh, my grandmother, you know, taught me how to play the piano mm. when I was five years old. So so I'm, I'm equipped. I'm ready to go get it. Now, mind you, nobody was really thinking about the movie Ray Charles. We weren't thinking about that. It was an independent film. And then finally, I meet Ray Charles. And I, I, I had to, I had to, like really win him over. And I said, Mr. Charles, I just want to do the best that I can uh, to, you know, to, to, to tell your story. And he's like, hey, hey, you know what? Can you play the blues? I said, uh, <laughs> I said, what? If you can play the blues band, you can do anything. So we sat down, oh, man, so we sat down on the piano, right? And we, we started playing the piano. So we were playing the blues and everything like that. And then I hit a, he moved into Thelonious Monk which is right, real intricate jazz shit. And then I hit a wrong note. He got, hey, you know, why the fuck would you do that? I was like, oh. <laughs> I was just trying to keep up. He said, hey, you know what? Hit the right notes, man. You know, that's, and he said, that's what life is, taking your time to hit the right notes. Yeah. So I finally played the piece right. He got up, slapped his leg. Hey, the kids got it, and he walked out. So that preparation... <clears throat> When we got into the movie, was all I had. One of the problems was that I met Ray Charles while he was older. I needed the young Ray Charles. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to Quincy Jones. I go over to Quincy house and say, hey, man, shit, come on in here, man. Shit, what are you trying to do, man? <laughs> I said, I'm trying to do all the Ray Charles. I said, shit, man, Ray was a son of a bitch, man. You know, I have all the keys to what he was doing, man. He was a son of a bitch, but he was incredible. So I said, but I need to know the young Ray Charles. So he gave me a cassette tape. That conversation that cassette, alone, I could imagine that conversation alone. Oh, man. Bro. Just sitting there talking to Quincy, talking about, you know, what he did with Michael Jackson and Usher and all that shit was just amazing. And he gave me that cassette tape. He said, maybe there's something on this tape. And on that tape, people will probably have to Google this, but it was a lady named Dinah Shore on there. And she says, hi, this is Dinah Shore from the Dinah Shore Show with two very wonderful musicians, and Mr. Kenny Rogers and Mr. Ray Charles. And in the that. back, you hear, uh, hey, you know what, I'm so happy to be here, you know, Dinah, I didn't know you knew my music, hey, you know what, is it? And then, and then she asked him about the drugs. She said, well, talk about the drugs, Ray. He's like, and he stopped. And so he started to like, you know, stumble and, and fumble his words. So I took that as the DNA. Mm-hmm. That every time he was met with something that was challenging, he was he was stuttering the movie. Mm-hmm. And so then we went on, we did the movie, man. And after the movie came out, 
you just seen everybody flock to it. It was like, you know, when I'm doing these characters, man, sometimes the characters have to like embody you. So I embody Ray and then it just caught fire. And the next thing you know, um, we was on our way. Mm. You feel like that was your crowning moment, right? Like that was your welcome to, okay, I've made it. Do you feel like an exhale with that? Well, I mean, yeah, because the thing about it was is that it was nominated for Oscar, but it was nominated for something that was that was dope. You know how sometimes you get nominated or people get nominated and the character be a little off, Mm -hmm. like something that that ain't really like cool. This was something that everybody could rally around. It was the music. The Ray was a G. He was he was dropping jams. He was saying things like, you know what? I'm making do with it, do it. I mean, it was like all these things that was coming out. So. It, it was a, you know, it was a moment in time that we all enjoyed, and and it was black, you know, it was for us. Mm-hmm. It was like a, a and it, but at the same time, it was it was universal. And Dave Brown sitting here right here, show your face, Dave. Yo yo. Yeah, you, you okay? Brian, what up? What Is that your Brian? That's Dave. What up, Dave? No, no, no that's Dave. No, that's Dave. No, I'm fucking with you. Brian, no, no. Brian, no, no. Brian, 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 no, no, that's what I'm fucking with. Brian. You. Yeah, Brian yeah. is Brian. That's Davis, Dave, and Brian is Brian. Yeah, but the world, the world, know Brian now. Shout out Brian because yeah. he was definitely oh, doing Shout his out thing. Brian, baby. Can't go lie. But you know what? We kept it, man. During that time, man, we kept it so us. Like we was partying with people, man. Uh, like, like as a matter of fact, after the end of the. Um, when we got the when we got the Oscar, right? We didn't go to the governor's ball. We Dave threw a party for us, and we just we just we we you know we went over this way with the black folks winning the party. Motherfuckers grabbed a grabbed a uh, Oscar out of my hand, was taking pictures with that shit, we were smoking, and all nigga shit, right? <laughs> yeah. nigga shit, taking pictures and shit. I lost I lost the motherfucker. I lost the motherfucker. <laughs> I saw the Oscar. It was so much weed in the motherfucking party. The Oscar was high, and nigga lost his lost his motherfucking base and shit. He was damn, man. I know Denzel didn't do this shit with his. <laughs> Hell yeah! Well, oh, let's yeah. take it back to man to, to really where it all started. Born Eric Marlin. Bishop, a Texas wow, boy. Government. Texas Who boy. Guy? Texas yeah, boy. Yeah. yeah, man. Texas, man. Yeah, Steve, you know what's that? You know what's about? Back back in the day when I had that California curl. Yes, sir. Ah, hey, talk to him a yes, little bit sir. though. I, I, I read on how you changed the reason why you changed your your, your name. Uh tell our fans what the reason behind changing from, you know, your government name to Jamie. Yeah, what happened was that in LA it was like open mic night. So like I went on as Eric Bishop at the, at the comedy store. And uh, that's back in the day, they were like on Monday nights, bro. It was, it was crazy. You see, and you see different people out. You see like the young Tupac out. You see everybody Ooh, out. Man. Everybody would come out on Monday. I was, that's, that's a trip. You know what I'm saying? We didn't know we was hanging with legends. You see young Tupac out. I remember Tupac was hanging and we was like, damn, that's a nigga pop, whatever. And um, I finally, I get on stage, right? And when I get on stage, like, I see, like, you know, I'm straight from Texas, Steve. I didn't know, I didn't know L.A., but everybody was dressed in blue. I was like, is, what the fuck? Is this motherfucker your, pants, your, pa- your pants probably still starched down. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> what the fuck, nigga? But everybody was dressed in blue, Steve. And, but it was Crips. Right. It was like, I didn't, but I didn't know what it was, you know? And they said, nigga, that's, that's the Crips. I said, what the fuck? So <laughs> What the fuck? They say, they, you know, they come, they come to this motherfucker, you know, all the time. So what I did was I was watching the room. 
and I went up and I did all of my impersonations, but I did them like if they was a crib. Like what if <laughs> what if uh, what, what if what if Mike Tyson what if Mike Tyson was a crib? So you know what's up when Mike Tyson we boxing champion? What's up crib 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 crib? My phone is going crazy and shit, right? <laughs> and so after I get like this standing ovation, I come back the next week. And they wouldn't let me on the stage because the comedians were running the list. So, like, for, like, a few weeks, I couldn't get back on. I was like, damn, what the fuck? So I go to this one uh, Santa Monica improv, and I noticed that every time they had an open mic night, you know, a gang of, uh, it'll be a gang of dudes there, right, and only, like, five girls, but the five girls will always get on stage. So what I did on the list, I wrote down all these unisex names, like Stacey Green, Tracy Brown, Jamie Foxx, and the dude picked Jamie Foxx because I was at this other place. He said, Jamie Foxx, is she here? I said, yo, that's me. So I go on stage that night. He's like, that's you? I said, yeah, nigga, that's me right here. Jamie, nigga, what's up? So what's up? I go on stage. You know, I hit him. I hit him with the Cosby, Bill Cosby, clipping the Dungeons, all that shit. I hit him. And I was the only, I was the only nigga doing a, a, I was doing Ronald Reagan impersonation, the only black dude. Well, as a matter of fact, I crip, 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 right? <laughs> Killing the shit. So now they shooting evening at the improv at that at, at that time. And I have a great set, get a standing ovation. And so they like, yo, that's that new kid, Jamie Foxx. And so that's when it stuck. And I had to get used to the name because they was like yelling out my name and said, Jamie, Jamie. But I wasn't paying no attention to him, so the niggas thought I was stuck up. But I had just got used to the name. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I changed the name up. That's dope. And then the rest is that's history. That's crazy. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy, and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is gonna make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. 
So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale one million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the One Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. Yeah, man. Talk to us a little bit, go, present go, day. Go. I mean, we locked up right now. How are you and the family? What, what you got going on? The, 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 the new norm, what's that for you? Man, listen, man, I, I consider, consider myself blessed at this time because, you know, my whole family is, is, is healthy. Um, when it first jumped off, I said, I got a feeling. You know, I'm a Texas boy. I said, I got a feeling about this. I said, let's all get in the same place, so all 12 of us got in the same place, we hunted down, we got what we needed, and uh, we've, been, we've been safe, man. But you know, your heart goes out to everybody else, right. man. And I, I try to tell people all the time that, even when it comes to our political figures, right? I try to, cause you know, we be on the phone with these guys. And you know, and I know everybody. I, you know, I done done gigs for Republicans, I done done gigs for Democrats, I'm a Democrat myself. But all I've been saying on the phone is just, think about the, the common man. Just think about the common man. Mm. Constantly, like, put yourself in, like, you know, everybody don't have. So in these next few weeks, it's really critical that we get the right information, especially when it comes to us, when it comes to black folks, you know, because we're being... Misled. Misled, and we're also being affected more than anybody. So, you know, we're trying to just, trying to stay calm, trying to keep that word out, trying to keep that positive energy and trying to think about, you know, the person that, that that's really out there struggling. Bro. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Straight up. Thanks. How much you miss sports? I, I know you play a lot. I know sports has been a big part of your life. How much you miss sports right now? Bro, Steven, it, it's killing. If, if we if we had to lock, if, if it's one thing that is killing in the lockdown, it is not being able to watch. Nigga, the basketball shit was heating up. It was so mm, crazy. It was Man. time. It was time. Well, think, think, about, think about what King James had just did. Mm-hmm. Yes. Them three games where he 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 lumped uh, Milwaukee, uh, uh, Clippers. Clippers. Yep. Who else he lumped? Denver. I think it was Denver after that. In Denver. Yep. I, he was on some me, shit. He was on some shit. He was on some remarkable shit at 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 uh, at, at the year seventeen. Mm. So I was just watching that, like, man, I can't wait for this shit to play out. So you missing that, and now you're wondering, are they gonna be able to? I'm sure y'all know, are they gonna re- be able to come back? Sure, we you don't. Know, that's what we don't, we don't know. know. Damn. But that, but that was to me, that was like 
it was at the right time. I was like, everybody on their game. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was like the big boys was out to see Kawhi, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. to see uh, to, to, uh, to, uh, <laughs> Greek Freak. <laughs> Greek Freak, that's all I'm saying. Bonjour. 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 <laughs> now I'm babyface, nigga, all in the camera. <laughs> Shit, nigga, I fucked that up. <laughs> I did say that to him one time. I fucked up. I thought the motherfuckers were friends. I said, bonjour. He said, what do you say? Man? <laughs> I know you from somewhere over there, nigga. That's all I know. <laughs> hey, did but you... yeah, man, miss it. Yeah, no, big part. I mean, like you said, it's the best time. I mean, obviously, the playoffs would be going on right now. But like you said, there was so much parity in the league this season. And, and so many people wanted to see what that Laker-Clipper <clears throat> playoff matchup was going to be like. So I hope we could hopefully get there. Jack, you all right over there, bro? I... Yeah, man, that's hey, motherfucking crazy. Man. Bonjour, Jack. Hey, but I got a feeling, Jack. Yeah, hey, man, let's get into it. I got a feeling, though, he was about to, he was about to make some history, man. I, I, Let me ask y'all this, though. A player that's is playing uh, someone like LeBron James, and now I'm watching the Michael Jordan uh, 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 documentary. Mm-hmm. The question is, how hard is it now playing sports in a world with social media where the narratives are so crazy. Because when I look at Michael, he was so heralded, man, and, and, and well-deserved. Do you think, I mean, how would that would have played out in modern-day times if we'd have had social media? That's that's, no, that's a great question. We Jordan would... to be bigger. He'll be 10 times even bigger. Like, like the D-Wade say, Jordan was chosen to be the GOAT. Like, it, 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 he, right. he didn't ask to be the GOAT. He was chosen to be the GOAT. But if they would have had social right. media and all this technology when MJ was coming up, he'll be 10 times bigger than what he is now. And here's, the, and here's the question, though. Would it be controversy as well? Because yeah. when I look at it, like the, mm-hmm. the, the, the guys that play now, they don't get that love like they normally Hell do. No. It's always hate. It's, it's always hate. Di- it's, a lot of, it's always a hate. Because yeah. I'm looking at LeBron like he's in his 17th year putting up these type of numbers. Anybody to do anything for 17 years is good. Some motherfuckers get a plaque Incredible. or get, you know what I'm saying, niggas give him some kind of shit. But he gets a lot of. He get a lot of controversy. Why is that? Because mm, I just think it's, it's, it's easier today to show. It takes a strong man to show love. You know what I mean? And mm. I think you made a great point. Yeah. There's so many, there's distractions back then. There's no doubt. And they were, the, you know, they're the rock stars, biggest team in the world. But at the same time, there wasn't, we had a, we just, we just did an interview with Bradley Beal talking about how the media tried to put him and John Wall against each other when they're actually good friends, <laughs> like brothers. You know what I mean? Right. So to think if the media would, if social media would have been able to get in that locker room with the shit that was going on with Pippen, because obviously Mike felt that. a certain way about it. You know what I mean? And Pitt yeah. had his reasons. You know what I mean? Right. So what if social media got their hands on that and threw that shit around? Could that have possibly caused a friction in their relationship or friendship or their chemistry? So that's a great question. Well, oh, it would have fucked it up. Don't you yeah, think, Jack? Because, yeah, I, I mean, I don't see how these guys, like, man, you know, like, I'm sensitive too. Like, a motherfucking comment or tear your ass up. You be ready to tear your computer up and shit. Yeah, yeah. How would they have dealt with all of that, Jack? Well, that shit, that, that shit affected Braun and Kyrie. You know, the yeah, media yeah. affected that. Mm-hmm. And just imagine if they would have stayed together. But me, personally, with Braun, all, all this chatter, it don't it don't matter to him. Because before all this chatter, mm-hmm. when Braun was a teenager, Braun was sitting there thinking in his own mind, I want to be better than Jordan. I want to be the best to play the game. So everything right. that's being said now or has been said to him in year 17 after all he's done, it does it don't matter because his goal was set in his own mind, not based off what other people think. Right, right, right. Top five. Yeah. Top five. Who your point guard, Steve? Top five all the time. Who your point guard? Mm. I do this all the time. Ooh, okay. Top five. Top five. With- my point guard would be uh, LeBron James. Ooh. Mm. Matt, what you think? I got, mag- I got Magic's my point guard. 
Magic point guard, all right, two. Who two? Point my point guard, be, we be LeBron too. Two. I'm going Jordan. I got Jordan. I got Jordan in my two. I got Co- I got Kobe in my three. Kobe in my three. Wow. Kobe in my three. Go ahead. I got, got Tim Jeff. Duncan at my four. Tim Duncan at your four. I got KD at my four. I was about to say KD at my four. Now here's the thing. Mm. Five. Five. I'm gonna change because I had a different order. I had a different order uh, uh, the other day, but I'm changing my my five is Shaq. Yeah, that's that, that's who I had. Ooh. I'm going with Diesel at five. Shaq mm-hmm. Diesel at five. That, that, now here's the thing. Now let's do errors, because that's mine for the new era. What about the old era? Mm, old era. I'm going, with Mo, I'm going with Mo Cheeks. Mo Cheeks? I'm, Ooh, I'm, going, I'm going with Magic. I'm taking, yeah, I'm still taking Magic. Two, you know what? I'm still taking, I, no, no, no. Two, hold two. on. I take mine back. I'm going Isaiah. Oh, good call. Ooh, okay. Good call. Good call. I got, I'm going Magic one. Who are we going to? I got Jordan still. Jordan two, for sure. Three. Uh, we go. We, we going. We going back now. Nah, we going back. I'm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. No. 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 You can. You. No. I'm saying the 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 the, the rules. Like rules. Like different rules. Like you know. Like this. This era. I, you still. I, I, I let. Jo- I let Jordan have his. I'm going George Gervin. Ooh. <clears throat> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go LeBron at three. Ooh, three. I'm gonna <laughs> go Bernard King. Ooh. You going old school on them, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck, I'm going with Pip. Pip, nice. Pip? Nice, nice. Ooh, ooh. Actually, hold on, hold on, hold on. Burgum. I'm going to take Pip back. Excuse Burgum. me. I'm going to go Grant Hill at my three. Oh, okay. Ooh. Okay. All right. All right. I, need, I need Bird in there. I need Bird in there. That's your three? Forward? Or three or four? Four. Okay. Four. Oh, that's a ooh. nice one. Uh, Bird at the four is ooh. a nice stretch four. four. I'm going at the four... Uh, I'm going, uh, boy, boy, boy. That was tough. That was Bird. Ooh, uh, that's something else. That... French Lick. Yeah, I know, right? I got to go Bird, too. I'm like, there you go. Bird. I, I'm, I going go with, bird. I'm, five. I'm going with Mikhail. Mm-hmm. Mikhail at, at four. At okay. The four. All right. All right. Shoulders. Mm-hmm. Shoulders. Mikhail, or, or actually, no, excuse me, excuse me, back, Barkley. I got Barkley at my four. Ooh, nice, nice. Bizzle there you Lark. go. There you go. Bizzle Lark. <laughs> there you go. Bizzle Lark. Yeah. yeah I got Shit, Ernie, Ernie, Ernie. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, Ernie. Said just terrible. Just terrible. Just terrible. Just terrible. Ernie. Five. Who you got? Oh, I got uh, Kareem Abdul. Mm, that's a tell. Yeah. I ain't got no choice. I'm going with Will. I'm going. Ooh. I'm going with Elijah one since I picked Shaq earlier. Oh, the dream. Ooh, the dream. Mm-hmm. They Footwork. Sleep, they sleep mm-hmm. on the dream. Oh man, do they ever. We touched on Crazy. we touched on it a little bit ago, but what do you, what are your thoughts on seeing this this uh, last dance documentary? Because I think we're spoiled today with everyone just getting to see everything about athletes, entertainers, whatever. It wasn't that way. Like we just touched on, it wasn't that way. So now we're getting to see almost a social media look at behind the scenes of how great that team was. But like you said, you you you're, we're slowly but surely finding out there's some chinks in the armor. What are your thoughts about what you've seen so well, far? <clears throat> well, you know what it is. I think that in today's world. Had this documentary came out, there was no social media. We would be able to watch it and take it in. Mm-hmm. The problem is, once it comes out, social media... Now, look at, look at Scottie Pippen, what he got to deal with because they're talking about his money. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, they're making memes. Mm-hmm. and you, So, so it's, it's sort of hard to... It's sort of hard for today's world to accept it. Now, me, being from back at that time... Or not back at the time, but I mean being old enough to have seen those right. games... I appreciate it in a different way because I'm like, damn, I finally get a chance to hear Michael talk about Scott. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I thought Thank that you. was the one bright 
because everybody was shit on Scotty. Be like, Scotty wasn't shit. He wasn't living. Michael did it all on his own. I said, yo, man, y'all tripping. tripping. Scotty Pippen was one of the coldest motherfucking assassins man. ever. And yeah. I said, and without him... There's no it, Jordan it, legacy. <laughs> watch it. Exactly. Here's the thing. You guys know this. It's about being comfortable. If somebody can make your job easier, whether you're bas- playing basketball or whether Anything. I'm in a movie with great, great actors, when somebody can lift your shoulders, with Michael ain't got to worry about guarding mm-hmm. the, 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 the main player so mm-hmm. you can save his leg because you know you need Michael mm-hmm. for that triangle offense. Anytime you got somebody to alleviate that type of pressure right. from Pippen, yeah. Ron, 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 Ron Harper. Yeah, Ron Harper, you're Tony Kukos. These guys were Hall of Famers. And so when you look at that, now you're able to see because, you know, they're going to give you 10 parts, but you're able to see what allowed Michael Jordan to mm-hmm. be Michael Jordan. And those guys were super important. Absolutely. So I'm glad that they're getting that shine, taking nothing from Michael because, you know, that's, that's you know, that, come on, man, that's Rembrandt. That's you, know, you can't say it's the GOAT. But they have to understand, and I'm glad they're showing it now that it was a lot of mm-hmm. it was a lot of help in that man because the days look a lot of times we see highlights and we see the greatest of the great, but we don't see those times when we struggle. And I think that's right. what's great about it mm-hmm. when you see the struggle. Just wanted to say this: it felt good to see the quote from Mike saying, "You can't talk about Michael Jordan without Scottie Pippen." I think to, to, mm-hmm. to reiterate what he said, it felt good to finally see that quote and see Mike say that. Yeah, man, because I know for Scotty, man, think about being Scotty, just being like, "Damn, damn," you know, they don't never say, they don't never. <laughs> He's stupid. They got the crazy, and they got the greatest voice in the world. Yeah. Central Arkansas. He got, got, got a woofer on his throat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but he, I had to turn the bass off my TV when Scotty was on. <laughs> hey, you know. Boy, I got no, six the, by nines on his throat. <laughs> hey, man. But, but, but to back years. to your point, I think the, the, the crazy part is, is just because we say Mike had help doesn't lessen Mike's greatness. You know what I mean? Not at all. It's just that, it's just that the mic, you know, look, a lot of times, you know, like the tough things now is even talking about who would you pick? Mm-hmm. But you know, Mike's Mike's. I mean, I mean, Mike's. Uh, his his his. Just his whole brand is so huge. It's yeah. hard to have a conversation about just basketball. Mm-hmm. So, I'm I'm glad they got a chance to yeah. show just the basketball. Yeah. You know I mean? yeah, no, I think it's it's important because Skip Bayless says something today that Scotty wasn't one of the greatest. He wasn't this. He wasn't that. And to me, uh, Mike's legacy. Mike will still be great regardless. If he had Pip, he would be great. But like you said, he lessened the, the, he lessened the burden. But then there's no titles without Pip. And when we talk about legacy, right. we talk about uh-huh. winning championships. So so Mike is a great player. There's no knock on that. Obviously, the greatest of all time. Yeah. But when we talk about legacy, and, and Mike said it in his own words, like there's no Mike without Pip. You know what I mean? So I'm exactly. glad that people are finally getting to see how important Pip was because, like I said, us, you know, we're in our 40s now. We know how motherfucking important yeah. and how good Pip was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. But you, but you can't listen to Skip. See, that's the other thing. See, that's why I fuck with y'all, man. It, it, Skip and them be trying to get headlines, man, and just say that wild shit. That's why I'm, Shannon be on that. Skip, Skip, Skip. <laughs> Shannon be on his ass. <laughs> skip, Skip, Skip. You go say, Skip, 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 Skip. Now, Skip. All day, that's all he say. All day, all show. I mean, well, I be counting how many times he says skip, 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 no, no, skip. That's all he say, bro. <laughs> but you know, you show. can't listen to them. I don't listen to them. I listen to y'all, man, because you know y'all played it. Y'all know it. I appreciate that. Thank hey, you. Hey, pivoting back to uh, sports, though. I know sports probably started in your childhood. 
Can you talk to yeah. us about that? Hey man, you know in Texas, man, it was everything, man. Like playing football was 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 out there. Like we didn't mm-hmm. have no basketball team coming up. Like and, and I just seen some, didn't I see some football clips, man? Yeah, that was my yeah. thing. I had to show. Yeah, Jack was, see, Jack was hating on me. Jack, football is my yeah. first sport, so I feel yeah. you. I played football in the street also, growing up. That was my shit. Yeah, so you under, you understand mm-hmm. well, man. Football in Texas was was everything, yeah, man. Yeah. So like. You know, like, I, I remember, like, being a sophomore, getting on the varsity team, and that was big back then, mm-hmm. like, you know, to be a sophomore. And I remember finally getting on the team, and, and I had worked all summer. My father was a coach. He coached at another, at another school, at Lincoln High School, but I worked all summer, and I didn't get Dallas picked Lincoln. up. Dallas Lincoln. Dallas Lincoln, baby. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I didn't get picked up, and I was in Terrell. And then uh, finally, like, somebody couldn't play. Like, one of the quarterbacks couldn't play. We ran a three-quarterback uh, thing. The coach came out there, and... Uh, while I was in my, uh, like, we was having two days, just, I got a spot for you over in the locker room if you want it. <laughs> so I went over, I couldn't believe it. It was like the Cosby kids. I said, nigga, I'm on Blossom. And then I walked in, dog, and it was, it taught me about just being able to be on a, a, another level, like, to really strive some. I walked in, and they had carpet on the floor, dog. Mm. You know, like, I, I was like, damn, they got carpet on the floor. So I walked in, I'm looking at the carpet, and all of a sudden, dog, I just passed out. <laughs> Passed the fuck out. And the reason I passed out, because one of the guys on the team, Keith, Keith Henderson, who was like a blue chip, had hit me in the solar plex, knocked me out. I said, wake the fuck up, sophomore. What the fuck you doing with your goddamn shoes on the carpet and shit? I was like, what? And then all the seniors, you know, was hazing me and shit like that. And, um, and it was just like a feeling that you couldn't imagine, bro. They hazed me and shit. But then when I got out there on the team, at being 15, bro, I ended up starting on the team. That's crazy. Got a got a super inter, super interception mm. uh, on a uh, on a scrimmage. You had to go scrimmage McKinney, McKinney lines. And uh, the one thing I knew, I knew all my plays and shit. But they had marched all the way down the field. They ran a little bootleg. I stepped in front of them, got the interception. Bro, my whole life changed. And when people talk about, <laughs> I caught the motherfucking interception, bro. And I went from being a sophomore to Eric Bishop. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and and, and it was like I still people ask me how big. What's the biggest moment in my life? And that was the biggest moment, getting that interception, proving to these motherfuckers that I could do it. Mm. And then from then on, man, I, I became a, a, a quarterback my junior year. Then I went to pass for over 1,000 yards uh, my, my senior year wow. with a 20, 20, 21 interception. But, you know, it was crazy. <laughs> he was J- Jameis Winston before Jameis Winston? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was kind of bad. Because I, I was a stat stuffer. I, held a, I had a newspaper stats in my, in my pocket. I was I need nine more yards. I need to get these yards. We were losing, but. <laughs> but yeah, man, but sports was everything. And then I went to uh, I went to state in the high jump. I was five seven, five eight, but I was jumping six six. Okay. Yeah, and then you so, play some hoop too, you know, right? Yeah, but that was later, man. Like our hoop team was terrible. You know, like you know, like how you go to basketball uh, gyms and they got the banners mm-hmm. yeah. of the championships. Our banner said "Welcome." <laughs> That's it. That's it. Oh, you had to say. Yeah, we was that, terrible, but you know. Dallas Lincoln had all the basketball battles because we, we Lincoln we, had the basketball players. Yeah, we was Port Arthur Lincoln and Dallas Lincoln. We, we played against Dallas Lincoln a lot in the state championship, but Port Arthur Lincoln and Dallas Lincoln, we both got a lot of championship, uh, championships. Yeah, man, and Port Arthur with that track, we motherfuckers yeah. could fly, bro. <laughs> Jamal they don't Charles. know. They don't know Jack. Yeah, that's Jamal yeah. Charles right there. And the boys is running from the cops. Got him on the track. <laughs> yeah. just good. That's all it was. That's hilarious. <laughs> Best way to get fast, steal something. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, they're not going to catch your ass. 
Kids. Uh, did you were in a band back then too, right? Man, shit, I was in all kinds of bands. I, me and my boys had a band called Excalibur, dog. Niggas, niggas, we was, <laughs> you know, we was trying to get on Excalibur, Excalibur so, some shit like cassette tape days, man. You know, uh, but I remember we was like at a, you know, the little talent shows and shit at the school, man. You know, had my curl and shit. Mm, you used to have you know. well, a question because Dion said his shit was dry. Was your curl wet or dry? My shit was dry, dog. Was you know it? why? I had I didn't I didn't use the stay soft fro. I used some shit called Hollywood curl. <laughs> so it was like a it was like a cream. You put that motherfucker in there, and then you know it stay dry. So when girls see me, I used to tell them I was Dominican. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they thought that shit was real. <laughs> Dominica, 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 Dominica. You know what I'm saying? They had to keep your shit dry. If the shit too wet. It's like uh-uh. So I had the Hollywood curl. Yeah, so I, I mean but, uh, you, you had know, a, you had a curl that could have been uh, on the side of one of them boxes. You had a real curl back then. That bro, shit was clean. Listen to like me. I want number seven. Let me tell you. Nigga, let me tell you something. It's, it's better than that. I had the picture of them niggas ready for the world, and I took it into the, the, shop. Uh, uh, the shop. I said, I need this right here, dog. I need Melvin Riley. Oh, I need Melvin Riley from Ready for the World. So they put the shit, and my shit, I had a, uh, it was low in the front, long in the back. It shit like a Z28. <laughs> this nigga say Melvin Riley. Melvin Riley. It looked like a Z28. Because I had the low and the long. Uh-huh. So, nigga, so ready for the world, come to Reunion Arena. I got tickets, dog. Row six. Mm, you right up in and the And I mix. swear to God, I swear to God, when Melvin Riley came out, he looked at me and said, but oh, I did like this. I said, yeah, nigga, you see this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Curl. Swinging, sitting, looking good. Uh, all the way. Hell you yeah. And then when shit. I finally got it... And how, what was crazy is, man, oh, I finally man. get on, and Melvin Riley came to my house. Really? I said, motherfucker. I said, yeah. That's how. That's how great God is, man. It's like I ended up getting on, and then having him at the crib. I said, man, you don't remember me? <laughs> He's like, no, nah, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> remember, I had your curl in row six. Mm-hmm. All that. But you know, the music was everything, man. Yeah. Music, I was always just trying to get into the music, you know, playing, writing songs and shit, and, you know, singing a line of Richie songs back in the day, you know, to the girls, hello, all them shits. You know, I was just mimicking everything. And then now it's crazy how now these people, like, are in my cell phone, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like blessings, like you can't believe. Mm-hmm. So you went to college to study music, performing arts. Um, when did you get into the stand-up comedy gig. When I got to San Diego doing music, I was in a college, like international college. It was 81 different countries in my, that were uh, represented in my school. So I would do the music in San Diego, but I would drive up to LA, do the comedy clubs, or I would do uh, La Jolla, the comedy store down in La Jolla. And I was only 18, so I couldn't get in the club so they would make me wait outside the club, you know what I'm saying, and then bring me in, let me do my stand-up. So I was constantly, like, you know, since I was clowning, since I was a kid, you know, I was constantly, like, working on my, uh, you know, working on the craft. And, and I, I got in early, and that was the, the, the big thing, was, like, using the college as a sort of, like, a landing pad. But since L.A. was only, you know, shit, an hour and a half away, I would come up here and get it popping. And then uh, my, my uncle was assistant chief of police of a uh, 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 of school districts named Mel Brown. He said, he said, I know you uh I know you saying and stuff. I said, yeah, he said, you, you come on up here and I want you to uh, 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 meet uh, uh, Harvey Fuqua. I said, who that? He said, that's Marvin Gaye's manager. Mm. 
So I'm like, I'm thinking, man, I don't know no goddamn Marvin Gaye, man. This nigga full of shit. Get the fuck out of here, man. I'm drunk. So he gave me an address, and then he's a joking motherfucker, so I'm thinking it's a fake address. But I get there, it's in Brentwood, and when I look on the, um, on the mailbox, it says Dorothy, Gay, and Freeman, and knock, knock on the door. And Harvey Fuqua comes to the door, this big black dude. He said, you the one that sang? I said, yeah. He said, come on in. So when I went in the apartment, I looked to the left, and it was these reel-to-reels and keyboards and shit. And he said, you see that? I said, yeah. He said, that's Marvin Gaye's keyboards, the last thing he played before he died. Mm. And bro, I sat down, started playing. And the dude was like, yo, man, you got it. And so I started like singing and shit like that. And he started having me come to the crib. And, and uh, I was trying to get on. At one point, it got a little weird because he was having me singing Marvin Gaye songs all the time, having people come over. Uh, and I was like, yo, man, I know you're missing Marvin and stuff, but I want to I wanna get my own thing. He said, oh, I apologize, man. He said, you know, we had just lost him not too long ago. I said, cool. So I basically became like his, uh, his, like his assistant, like filing stuff for him so I could just, you know, just stay around the house. And, bro, this is a crazy story. At one point, I was filing these cassette tapes, right? And I picked up one cassette tape just seeing what was on it, and I pressed play, and it was... <laughs> it was the mm-hmm. original... Of sexual mm, heat. Wow. And I'm like, damn, nigga, it's four o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I could take this shit and get some money for this shit. And I said, nah, I ain't gonna do that. <laughs> I went woke, I went, I went woke him up. I said, man, you gotta tell me about this. He said, Yeah, man, I got a lot of them cassettes. We was working on something. I said, tell me about that night, man. He said, This is what it was. Marvin was in the studio. It's like four o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, Marvin, man, let's go, man. It's late, you know? And he had connected all these little, uh, these tape machines together working on this track. And he said, yeah, I know it's late. He says, but where's Marilyn? He said, man, Marilyn, sleep right here on the couch, man. Let's go. And he goes, get up, Marilyn. Wake up, Marilyn. Get up, Marilyn. He said, nigga, I got it. Run the tape back. Boom, get up, get up. Oh, that's crazy. Bro, that's, that's, how crazy is that? So that's, I, I call myself the Black Forest Gump, bro, because I've just been like in every nook and cranny of, the, of this business. And then, you know, shit worked out. Mm. Talk, Man, talk to us a little bit how you landed that uh, In Living Color role. I had got on this one TV show called Rock, mm-hmm. but for some reason they, fi- they fired me. Some shit went down. I don't know what the fuck went down, but I got fired. And I, I, I had shot the pilot, and I told everybody in Terrell that I was going to be on the pilot. And when the pilot came out, you know, I wasn't on there, so my grandmother thought I was out here doing drugs or some shit. <laughs> I was like, damn, I got to get this shit right. And so then the show in Living Color was looking for other comedians, and I went in for the, like the cattle call. So it went from 100 to 50 to 25 to 10 down to 5. So it was me and four other cats, right? And to be honest, during the audition part, I was blowing that shit. I wasn't doing good. But then Keenan said, look, I want to see y'all do stand-up. And I was like, oh, shit. And the other four people didn't do stand-up comedy. <clears throat> so they had the... This was when the Laugh Factory first started. <clears throat> so I go down to the Laugh Factory, but I was late on purpose because I wanted to go last. <clears throat> so when I go up, you know, like in the hood, like in the hood, you always play your music because that's where I came from, like Robin Harris. Yeah. And hood. So I told her, I, you know, I was like, I got my music and shit. I had it queued up. But the Laugh Factory was more like the white place. So I said, play the music. They didn't play the music. I was like, oh, shit. So I went up there and just started freestyling some shit. And in the audience was Keenan and Jim Carrey and the Fly Girls. Damn. But uh, I did this one joke, bro. And, and it was about, uh, I said, black and white people, black and white men, uh, uh, the only difference is the heartbeat. Because the average, the average black man, the average white man's heart beats like this. <laughs> right? 
why the average black man's heart beats like this. <laughs> they going crazy, bro. And then I said, ladies, I said, ladies, I said, ladies, that's why when you make it love, I'm not saying who's better, but who would you rather make love to? Somebody like this? Or would you rather make love to? <laughs> and an ovation, bro. I saw Keena and everybody going crazy, man. They were like, oh, I seen the fly girls. And boom, I was on the show. Where did, you, where did you get the motivation for some of the characters you've, you know, made your career off of? Wanda. Mm. Oh, man. Wa hey, man, listen. You know what? Mm. Wanda came from just, you know how motherfucker run out of time. I know time. a girl look like, like I, Wanda. I, I grew up with her. <laughs> 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 so, so you know, you take all them girls that you grew up with and that type of shit, and you bring them up, man. You know how Texas is, man, and all wherever I've been. But that came when one night I had ran out of material, and I just said, "Hey, all the pretty girls make some noise." Pretty girls clapping. I said, "Now, all the ugly girls, let me hear you say something." And there was complete silence. I said, man, look at all the other girls talking about, hey, he ain't talking about me, hell no, no. boom. So it started like that. I did that character at the audition. So when Keenan said, hey, man, do that motherfucking ugly girl that you do uh, for, one of the, uh, for one of the shows. So he reached in his bag, bro, found his blonde-ass wig, popped his shit on, bro, and it was like, hey, I rock your world. Nigga, it, it was took over. Off. And that, yeah, but, that, but I needed that because... If you think about it, living color and all those characters that they were doing at the time, you needed to get a character. You had off. To. If not, they was gonna fire you. Had to. Yeah, because you know it's just like it's just like any basketball team. You was gonna get cut. So that character took off, man. And then like it took off, and I loved it. But then I had to shed that shit because mm -hmm. like you know motherfuckers was you know like. The, the, the girls shit and they was coming up to me in clubs like yo nigga you the bitch I said hold on back up a second I remember I remember this is crazy I remember Johnny Gill Johnny Gill Johnny Gill said something one time and he goes hey nigga you that girl I said hey nigga hey my 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 nigga hold on hold on nigga so so I didn't want to get stuck in the motherfucker. So, you know, I just had to keep coming up with other characters so I could keep hitting motherfuckers right. with different shit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they say, I don't just do her. I do all these motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah. How instrumental yeah. was Keenan Ivory Wayne's not only in the, in, 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 for Living Color, but launching and giving guys like yourself, Jim Carrey, I mean, David Allen Greer, Tommy Davidson, that platform Damn. to go on. You, you, if you think about that cast, I'm sure you've done it, but all you guys went on to long, successful longevity yeah. in whatever profession, you know, whatever realm you wanted to do. Compared to that coach that was really hard on you, I remember Keenan saying, listen, you got to prove yourself. Maybe I don't think you're as funny as everybody else. But at the same time, what he did was, when you walk on the set, bro, it was all black people. Mm -hmm. Black writers, black people working. I said, damn, am I in the right spot? It was all black, but he held that shit here. All of you. you had to be absolutely airtight. But what it was, man, he had his finger on the culture, bro. He knew the music. He, 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 he had the fly girls. But every time we went out to do some jokes, like, we would come to Kenny and say, yo, man, we don't think the writers is writing funny. And I said, yes, they are. Y'all motherfuckers just ain't trying. And he would take whatever that was written. He would look through that shit. He said, go try this. And the next thing you know, bro, we were the talk of the town on that Monday morning. Mm -hmm. So it's like he, would, he was constantly, like, he would constantly put us in competition with each other. You know, Tommy Davidson killing that shit. Uh, uh, David Allen Greer killing that shit. Mm -hmm. Everybody was killing. And what he did was he made it sexy. It was like, 
Everybody came to the show. J-Lo was on the show. I remember mm-hmm. seeing J-Lo the first time I saw J-Lo. I said, hey, man, I'm not hitting on you. You're the most beautiful person in the world. I said, I got a girl. I said, but congratulations. And she was like, she was just killing that shit. And so we became friends. And then, like, if you think about it, back at the time, every hip-hop star, he was seeing the future. All the hip-hop was coming through. to and living color. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, you had uh, uh, Teddy Riley was there. Das Effects. Uh, yeah. Das Effect, everybody. So he taught you how to be fly with your shit. Like, you could be funny, but at the same time, be super fly. Oh, that was 91, mm-hmm. 92. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So to this day, we still rocking, man. And, and, and those guys are still doing their thing. And uh, it's it's because of those early lessons. Mm, yeah. Shout out Keenan Ivory because I don't I don't think we hear him yeah, mentioned man. enough to you know to to to, to the man. what he gave to the game. One of the legends. Bro, he 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 put he put all that shit together, and he had a motherfucking nervous dog. Look, we were supposed to be there at ten. I got there at nine fifty nine. That motherfucker pulled me out the meet. Mm. Said, "Why you late?" I said, "It's nine fifty nine. No, no, no. No, we start working at ten. Mm. So you got to give me an answer." Mm. I said, "Like, like." Like what? So you better figure it out. You can stand out here until you figure it out. Mm. Man, I'm out like, damn, nigga, I got a principal? Like, what the fuck? And so I would just sleep on the set so I wouldn't be late. Because, you know, I come out the club. I, yeah. I was Allen Iverson. I come out the club, nigga. <laughs> crazy. I was AI, and we talking about practice. Yeah. We talking about practice. I was supposed to be franchise player. Like, nigga. So right. I would just go straight to the set and then just wake up. I'll be on time. The Jamie Foxx yeah. show, something I watched. Yeah. You know, Fancy, Braxton, you know, Mom and Pop. Yeah. Talk to us how that yeah. came about and how you ended up getting that off the ground. Uh, to be honest with you, bro, I had ran out of money uh, and Living Color was over. I remember, you know, L.A. tough on you, too. Yeah. I was riding. After In Living Color was over, I was riding. I had this little BMW with the top down, and I'm riding down the street like on Sunset or something, and uh, I hear somebody say, that shit over, motherfucker. I was like, damn. Huh? Damn. Yeah. Harsh, right? That shit over, motherfucker. So, that shit over, motherfucker. I was like, yeah, yeah. It was bad, bro. And I remember, like, Chris Tucker was coming up. I remember Chris Tucker was coming young. I was like, God damn, these niggas is hitting. I remember this girl ran up to me. She says, oh, my God. I'm like, what's up? She said, do you know where Chris Tucker is? I said, oh, shit. Fuck the fuck? So I had moved to Vegas, bro, because I had ran out of money. And then uh, this, 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 this network called the WB mm-hmm. uh, was starting a network. And so I went in and met with them and said, I got this idea. <clears throat> and people probably have to Google this, but there was this uh, 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 English television show called Faulty Towers with John Cleese. And it was like the Benny Hill and all them type of Benny Hill, show. yeah. I remember Benny Hill. Yeah, all in, all in. So I saw that hotel show. I said, hey, man, I want to do a show like that where I... I, my, 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 my aunt and aunt run a hotel and I come to work there and by having a hotel, we can have different people fall through there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so they was like, okay, cool. We dig it. We just trying to get going. So I, they gave me the opportunity and bro, I remember the upfronts, you know, you got to go to the upfronts to announce your show. Bro, I didn't even have a limo. It was like, I went to get in the limo and some lady slapped my hand. That's not for you. That's for, uh, Savannah or some other show. Man, nigga, hey. I know limo. They put me in a van. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> Riding up. You know that plain white panel van? I said, damn, nigga. So finally the show come out, though. Bro, it did Seinfeld numbers. It did mm. like, like shit, like 14 or something like that. And then it just caught, you know? And then uh, uh, Fancy, 
Fancy came from the R. Kelly video, mm-hmm. uh, Garcelle mm-hmm. Bobet, Sacpasse Nabule, Braxton, of course, Garrett Morris and all them. And you do, you don't know when you're doing it, bro, but it just it just all came together and it became like this thing that people, you know, gravitated uh, people to. gravitated Absolutely. to, man, and it was, it was on. Absolutely. I love that shit. That was dope. Now- In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. 96, Jerry Maguire movie comes out. You went out for Rod Tidwell. Uh, they, end up, they end up giving it to Cuba Gooden Jr. How bad did you want that role? Because that was a dope movie. Bro, it was, it was crazy because, you know, the dude saw me read for it and says, He's gonna love it. I said, who? TC, Tom Cruise is gonna love it. I said, what? So bro, I ended up reading with Tom Cruise. They flew me to New York, you know, but you know, I wasn't used to seeing no big stars and shit, you know, so in the reading, bro, I'm reading the shit and you know, I'm, I'm from TV, so I was reading kind of loud. <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, show me the money. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Looking at Tom Cruise, like, yeah, show me. You know what I mean? And Tom Cruise, you know, he a movie actor, so his voice was soft. He said, so I couldn't hear him. So I thought he had lost his place. I said, oh, oh we, we right here. He says, I know, I've already said my line. I'm waiting on you. I said, oh, shit. And then, you know, motherfucker got nervous and shit, started sweating. I blew it. And after I blew it, I was like, damn, I know I blew this shit. The, uh, the the little producer was mad at me. And then uh, uh, Cuba Gooden got it, right? 
But then when uh, Collateral came up, when Collateral came up, mm-hmm. Tom Cruise remembered that, him and Michael Mann, and boom, he, he liked the reading, and boom. And so, you know, what ended up being Lemons turned out being Lemonade because right. we did Collateral, and we actually get nominated well, yeah. for mm-hmm. Collateral. So, mm-hmm. you know, just, just hanging in there, man, right. you know. Making that shit pop, I was like, man, I can't, I can't miss them free throws like that, cause I miss the free throws, dog. Straight up, I miss that motherfucker. Any given Sunday, '99, oh, one of my favorites. Yeah, how did that role come about? Did that shit start? Oh, that man. shit start your sophomore year when you got punched in the solar plex? You was training to yeah, be Willie Beeman. <laughs> I didn't even know, man, but it, it was crazy. It was crazy, cause Oliver Stone directed it. And basically, Puffy was supposed to play the part, but Puffy was, you know, he was dealing with big businesses and everything like that, so. Uh, Oliver Stone at one point when I came in to read again, you know, he said I was horrible, bro, because I was like reading loud and shit. He says, fuck, you, you read so loud. You, 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 this television shit is fucking me up. So what I did was, bro, I had just got that 97 coupe, that Mercedes. I got a camcorder, bro, put on my football gear, took all my homies out and just started <laughs> like like I was in a like I was in training camp, Shut bro. Up. And while we was doing the training camp shit, I came up with a song. My name is Willie. Willie Beeman, I keep the ladies creaming and all the fans got to screaming. Think you can you beat me? You're dreaming. So we made this song up <laughs> and bro, I show him the tape. Oh, he said, shit. That's who the fuck I'm looking for right now. That's who I want. Mm-hmm. So we started in to give him a Sunday, bro, and we were shooting that shit in Miami. I didn't even get paid. All the money that I got, bro, I spent it in Miami. I was just... I can believe it. That nigga came oh home. Oh, my God. Come on, bro. Came home with nothing. First time I... Niggas, when I... Absolute zero. <laughs> goose eggs. The dog, I had a ball. Niggas was in Miami with mesh shirts and, and, and Ferraris and shit. I was just fucking... I was off the chain, man. And then you think about everybody that's in it. Mm. Al Pacino, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Jim Brown, Lawrence Taylor, uh, LL, uh, T- Dennis Quaid. LL, Dennis Quaid, me and LL was fighting. That shit was real, man. Never yet. Talk to us about that because I heard you touch on that shit. I heard there was some real shit going on with that. Oh, no, I can't take that. LL was in I can't take that right now. LL was in his feelings on that one, but that motherfucker, yo, yo, what's, what's up? What happened was, oh, is that Lord. for some reason, like, he, he kept slapping me. He thought, I think he thought it was a little bit real in the, in the movie. I was like, nigga, we not really on a fucking team. Like, we actors, my nigga. <laughs> like, nigga, we really don't have to get to practice. Like, nigga, we going to say action. <laughs> but, you know, it was, but I think that's what made the movie real because we was, like, really competitive. But we was doing a scene, and the motherfucker, put, <laughs> the motherfucker pushed me in the scene, bro. And I swear to God, I landed in somebody else's set. I went back so far. I said, what the fuck? And so then it got testy, man, and we got to scrapping and whatever like that, you know. But uh, it, you know, yeah, Jamie say he woke up in Green Mile. <laughs> nigga, I woke up in a whole nother set, nigga. I woke up in Jerry Maguire. I said, "Why does big ass nigga push me like this, man?" No, this ain't a real movie. Yeah, that shit was dope. <laughs> but you know, we worked this shit out. We we cool now. But at the time, it was sort of goofy. But it fueled the scene because when we was doing them scenes and Willie Beeman was going through his shit. That shit was real, man, because it's like, you know you know how it is, man. You get competitive. Yeah. You know, you get really competitive, yeah, and there was girls on the set. You and felt I, that energy. And I, you know, I was, I was so wild. Every, t- every time I showed up to the set, I had a Hummer. I had a different car every time. You know, I was playing the whole role, had the girls in the car and shit showing up to the set. So I was, I was out of my fucking mind, bro. But it, it, as far as just the acting goes, like that speech. Yeah. Everybody remember the Al Pacino mm-hmm. speech, right? Yeah. Here's a fun fact. Al Pacino was having a tough time with that speech. 
because he ain't never been around football. That's that's where I I knew football. Mm-hmm. So when he was he was trying to get that speech off, I said, hey, I said, Al, when you talking to these players, they're not your players. They your family. Mm-hmm. I said, a lot of these players come from the hood. They only father is you. Mm-hmm. So you got to talk to them like it's your father. Man, that motherfucker. Turned up on you. That motherfucker turned on you. You fight <laughs> with your fingernails. Oh, that's dope. Every inch. <laughs> that motherfucker, I said, God, that motherfucker killed that shit. He did. He killed, shit. he killed that shit. How, he killed how, that how, shit. Was, how was the football scenes? Though? I know that had to be dope to shoot. How was the football scenes? I wanted to do all of my stunts, right? So we would shoot all night, but they would shoot the, uh, the football scenes during the day. So I would go sleep for like two or three hours and then go to the B team and then shoot, put the mic on when the, when the director wasn't there and shoot my own football scenes because I didn't want nobody. I wanted it to be me. By doing that, I got the lion's share of the part because the way Oliver Stone wrote the movie is that he wrote it for everybody's narrative. But since I would go to both, man, I was working like 18 hours a day, bro. But I wanted to get that football right. And they didn't know that I could really throw that thing because I could throw the thing about 50, 60 yards in the air. Mm-hmm. So I was down there getting it, man, and, it, and it, it felt good. And it was like all that shit that we had in Texas, it all came into play. Yeah. Even when it came into, I said, hey, Cause sometimes they want to do a movie shit. Like I want you to drop back and then do a spin. I said they don't do that in the NFL. <laughs> drop back, you got a, a certain amount of time. We got to get the shit off. Mm-hmm. And so by having that background, mm-hmm. it made it look authentic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's. And then, but the one thing I did do though, I took a hit. They was like, "You want to take a hit?" I said, "Motherfucker, I don't give a fuck, man. Shit, motherfucker, Texas, don't hit me, nigga. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, I ain't no motherfucking actor, nigga. I'm, I'm a real athlete, yeah. man. <laughs> Just a little motherfucking safety came through my motherfucking. Nigga, this part of my helmet, nigga. And I said, hey, man, anybody else hit me, they gonna get fired. Don't hit me no motherfucker. That motherfucker put my shit back here. So, you know, and it was crazy because T.O. was on that motherfucker. Mm-hmm. And T.O. was a beast. Hell yeah. They told, T.O. said line, because you know, it was, it was pro football players against arena league guys. So T.O. was lining up all his DBs and said they could guard him. He was killing them. And at one point, they ran a, uh, they ran a reverse for T.O. And he ran off the set. This motherfucker's so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and the motherfucking dude with the camera said, you, you, can, you can, can you keep up with him? I got him. Let's tell him to go. I got him. That motherfucker took off. That motherfucker's running, pulled both his hamstrings off. Try to chase him down with the camera. blew out on the tires on the field. Bop, bop. Oh, and they said, T.O., uh, we're going to have to have you slow down. T.O. said, shit, y'all better speed this shit up. Yeah, speed this shit up. You've played some amazing supporting roles leading up to, obviously, where you were the, the, the main star. You know, obviously, any given Sunday, you played alongside Will Smith and Ali, Tom Cruise and Collateral. Mm-hmm. Looking mm-hmm. back on that, what does that mean to you and what resonates the most about all that? I always give props to, to, uh, uh, to Will Smith. He wanted me to play uh, Bundini Brown and Ali. Muhammad Ali's a prophet. How are you going to be Godson? Mm-hmm. As soon as you come out the garage, you'd be number two. But I wouldn't have had that opportunity had he not told the director, yo, I'm rocking with Fox mm. or I don't do the film. Mm, damn. And so, yeah, it's big. And yeah, you know, that yeah. don't happen in Hollywood, man. Mm-hmm. You don't, that don't happen in our business. So my main thing was, is that being those characters alongside those guys, I wanted to be that Scotty Pippen. I wanted to be that person because I knew that that if Will Smith is doing Ali, especially with the Ali, because it was so important, and Will was such a big star and is such a big star, um, I was there to make sure that 
he didn't have to worry about what I was doing. This part of the movie is going to be solid. And you don't realize it, but you're hanging another character in the rafters. That's sort of like if, if we're referring to basketball, all of my characters, when I look at them, man, if it's Wanda or Willie Beeman, Bundini Brown, or all these characters, I hang them up. So whenever you get a chance to do the character on that type of level, um, I want to be able to look back at my career and say, mm -hmm. man, I turned into all these mm -hmm. different people and, and sold it. You know what I'm Absolutely. saying? Like, it, it, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I, I take that and, and now to this day, man, in, in our business, you know, as much as you put into it, you can continue to work and continue to find shit. So I feel like I'm just still just getting started. Is 42 too late to start an acting career? <laughs> man, it ain't never Jack. too late, man. Yeah. Come on, man. Jack, what you want to do, man? Yeah, old, the uh, movie save it, save starring it. Steven Jackson. Save it, Jack. I make love to pressure. Yeah, there you go. Are we going to have a segment for that at the end. So yeah, hold on. We're going to get to that, definitely. I love hearing that. To me, it's, yeah. it's hard to embody when you're playing a, a public figure or another famous figure. You were able to do it, obviously, with uh, Ray Charles. You mentioned you're working on a Mike Tyson movie as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about that yeah man uh you, you know i've been look when i went on stage in the hood the comedy act theater right uh i started killing 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 as a young 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 comedian right but one particular night i'm on stage and i get to my mike tyson joke because that's my best joke everybody go crazy on that joke and i get to that joke and I do it, and nobody laugh. Mm. You know why? He was in the building. Because Mike Tyson's in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> niggas out here. The nigga said, it was a black, it was some nigga in the back said, yo, Mike is in here. I said, oh, shit. And then the, you know, everybody was like, <laughs> yo, Mike. Stifled. And then the little black, little black girl was in the front, said, what you gonna do, Jamie? You scared? You gonna do your jokes? I'm like, bitch, shut up, shut up. Yo, this is when Mike was knocking motherfuckers out for just smiling and shit. And so I was like, damn. So then the dude yelled, I said, yo, Mike said, do the joke. And that shit better be funny. Oh, so the crowd no. went from looking at Mike and then looked at me. So I do the joke. You know, Mike Tyson, Kentucky Fried Chicken, whatever the joke was, right? <laughs> I think I did the joke. The joke was Mike, Mike Tyson driving. No, it was me driving up to Kentucky Fried Chicken. And I said, I couldn't see, but I heard. And I thought Michael, I thought Mike Tyson was, uh, was working at Kentucky Fried Chicken because I heard, hi, welcome to Kentucky Fried Chicken. May I take your order? And then so I was like, oh, shit. So standing ovation. And after that, Mike comes up to me and says, there he is, the crazy motherfucker, just punched me in the chest, like almost came in. <laughs> so I started hanging out with Mike. And bro, he was bigger than the world. Mm -hmm. He was bigger than all the Mikes. Mm -hmm. The dude had a Lamborghini truck. We'd be at the club, he, he, he'd see a girl, he'd be like, hey, you like BMWs? You like cars? You like Beamers? And I'm like, what? And he would go to a BMW shop, just buy one. I've watched Mike his whole career and then I watched the good, the great, the bad, and the ugly, and now this Mike. And so I said, Mike, you have to let me embody you. You have to let me mm. tell your story. Mm. And so now Martin Scorsese, wow. who hasn't done a boxing movie since Raging Bull, mm -hmm. uh, has agreed to, to take on the helm. And when we were talking about the movie, I said, what's interesting about Mike is not the ring now. It's the Mike that we see now. It's the Mike that when he lost it all, when I called Mike one time, I said, Mike, how you doing? And it's this voice. All praises to Allah, my brother, I'm just happy. 
I said, why are you happy? I'm happy. I don't have any money anymore. I don't have any money. I said, why you say that? Why, why does that make you happy? Because no one can take anything from me anymore. It's no, no vultures. Nobody has to try to take, take anything from me. So I'm just happy. I said, that's mm. the person we got to show. The person who lived the life. And he'll tell you, I either live on top of the mountain or on the bottom of the ocean. I said, when we embody that, I said, and Mike, when I play you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to embody you so well that when I walk into your house, your kids will run up and say, dad's home. So it's, it's going to be mm, one of those deep. ones. That's and I, I'm, oh, I'm telling you, mm, and it's, it's, it's and, and you remember the, um, I don't want to give too much of it away, but a lot of it, we bounced back and forth to the documentary of him being in the documentary. So uh, mm. when I strap that one on, that's going to be something. That's going to be beautiful. Man, I can't, I can't wait to see that. When should we expect that in theaters? If theaters ever well, come back? Yeah, well, you know, the thing is now, by having this lapse, it gives us a little bit of time to, like, uh, correct some things that we want on the script so so we get all, be, be able to touch all those bases. But you're looking at 2021, the beginning of it, shooting it, and then uh, possibly uh, at the end of the year uh, unveiling it. So, um, look, man, I, I think Mike's – come on, man. That that era and that time, oh, I can't wait to see was, it. It's unprecedented. It's I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait. Let's to talk see a little. It. You touched on Ray Charles earlier, but being able to embody him the way you did, what kind of historical significance does that mean to you? Because he was so important to our culture as a whole, and for you to be able to embody that, how important was that to you? I I, I think it was super important because we don't always get a chance to tell our legend stories, right? And so that was the first time we got a chance to see a legend in all of his glory, his good, his bad, and his ugly, and at the same time, present the music in a way to where the whole world was affected. I mean, and the backstory of is that it was an independent film. So <clears throat> we had to, we got a little bit of the money from Phil Anschutz, uh, who, you know, owns the Staples Center. Mm. Uh, but we had to prove to him that it was... Uh, it was worth it. So at one point, we created the Sanger Theater in 1967, and we did Let the Good Times Roll. It wasn't in the movie, but we had to do it for the investors to let them see it. So we had a 30-piece orchestra. The investors walk in. The director says, hit it. And we go, boom. Hey, y'all, tell everybody. Boom. Ray Charles in town. Boom. Got a dollar and a quarter. Boom. Mm. And I'm just ready to clown. Don't let nobody play me cheap. I got 50 cents more than I plan to keep to let a good time roll. Spent, spent, and always spent. Man, uh, yeah, it don't matter yeah, if you're young or old, just get yourself together and let the good times go. Yeah, so, then, that shit is fucking crazy. Oh, uh, you're I go unbelievable, up to bro. <laughs> oh, man. Steve, Steve. Then I go up to the, to the, to the investor and say, hey, yeah, I, I understand uh, uh, the big pocket of money is here. <laughs> 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 you sold him. And so we get, so we get the money. Had to, oh, had to sell it. And then once we do the movie, man, think about how the movie moved the culture. After the right. movie, yeah. uh, Kanye West. Yeah. Kanye West. After the movie, Kanye West. I mean, because, like, th going back to the parties that I was throwing, the way I met Kanye was at a, at a party. Breon. Mm -hmm. Breon, that's, that's why I, when people look at Breon dancing, he just don't dance. He motherfucker put shit together. Yes. The motherfucker brought, he brought this, that same party that I was telling you about, the Jay-Z and everything. The, the next party, 
Breon says, I got this dude named Kanye West. I said, what's a Kanye West? He said, listen, I'm telling you, nigga, it's a motherfucking cold. So when Kanye came over, I said, I said, Breon, what'd he do? He said, he rapped, he produced. I said, okay. So I walked up to Kanye. I said, hey, man, you know, uh, when people come to my house, man, they got to perform, man. They say, you rap. This motherfucker freestyle some shit, man, Steve. I said, God damn, nigga, how come you ain't famous? He says, I'm trying to get on. Then he goes, uh... I, I got this song that that I think you'd be good on. Uh, I think you'd be good on this song. And so, well, what is it? I got a studio in the back. So we go in the back of my studio, and the motherfucker say the song go. She say she wants some Marvin Gaye, mm. some Luther Vandross. I, I said, oh shit! I said I got it. So I started singing. I started singing the shit all high and shit. He said, and this one I knew Kanye was boss. He said, uh. What, what you doing? I said, well, I'm trying to put the R&B shit on it because you don't sing R&B. Said, I'm putting the R&B. He says, uh, don't do that. Just sing the shit regular. So when he said that, I thought like, oh, you know, song ain't going to make it. The next thing you know, Brian was like, remember that song you said you thought wasn't going to make it? It's number one in the country. Mm. Fast forward. Fast forward. It's number one in the country. And then Ray Charles comes out. Brian hit me again and said, wake your ass up, wake your ass up, wake your ass up. He said everything three times. He said, get down here, uh, um, Kanye got a missile. And this is after Ray Charles that came out. So I get to the studio and Breon said, just follow my lead, whatever you do, follow my lead. So we go in there and Kanye is playing the track to Gold Digger. I ain't saying she a gold digger. What? But she ain't missing. I said, oh shit. Breon hit stop on the record. And said, that shit is whack unless you put Fox on that motherfucker. Mm. I said, Brian, what you doing? He said, nigga. He said, motherfucker, you know what I'm doing. Just get in the studio. So I get in the booth, bro. And we take over the session. And we keep going over and over. I said, run it back. She said, nah, nah, nah. Run it back again. I said, run it. And then the next thing you know, about an hour and a half, she take my money. Well, I'm in need. Yeah, she's a trifling friend indeed. Oh, she's a gold digger. Well, but sound that digs on. And the rest is history. Legendary Come on, man. Shit. classic. Black Forest Come on, man. Two thousand six. Facts. Two thousand six Grammy Award. <laughs> uh, Grammy Awards. You get a chance to perform uh, "Georgia on My Mind" with Alicia Keys. Yeah. Talk yeah. to us about that. Uh, at that point, man. You know, this is. You know, movies have a. It's like an. It opens up like a flower. So that's when the flower was full bloom. Now we get a chance to. Uh, celebrate Ray Charles's music on the highest level with the incredibly talented Alicia Keys. Uh, Quincy Jones at the time uh, was, a, was a conductor, which was, mm. was beautiful. Mm-hmm. We had lost Ray Charles. Ray Charles had transitioned, yeah. but he got a chance to view the movie in his own way. And so here we are, you know, dual pianos with me and Alicia. And it was just great, man. She's amazing, so super talented. And but there was one situation where I felt like the song, I felt like we were playing it, you know, straight, but I felt like we needed to put a little sauce on it because it's Alicia mm-hmm. and it's myself. So it's like Georgia, Georgia, the whole day through. Just like an old sweet song, Georgia on my mind. Right? And I said, Alicia, why don't we take a page from Biggie? When we do the when we do the bridge, boom 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 boom, oh the arm reach out to me, boom 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 boom. So we put a little thing in there mm-hmm. just to sort of nod, you know, to the hip hop, to the to the young yeah. yeah. And then and I said, and when we doing it, boom 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 boom. I told the bass line to go, 
So to be able to not only be in that moment, but do something a little special to, to, to nod to people out there who's, you know, the, 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 the fans, uh, it was dope, man. We got a standing ovation. And uh, it was just another one of those things that you can hang up in the, uh, in the, ra- in the rafters and Hell say, man, yeah. another moment. Beautiful. Follow with Ray Charles. That was such a big role. Were you picking your next uh, projects carefully? Like, what, cha- what changed after Ray Charles? It was crazy, man. Like, Ray Charles was such a big film. And the Oscar and everything like that, I had to let, it, I had to let the Oscar go. Mm. Because, because my people was like, oh, we only need to do Oscar things. I said, no, 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 no. I want to go back to the, to the funny. Mm-hmm. I want to stay funny. Matter of fact, I didn't even keep the Oscar with me. Because the Oscar has some kind of crazy power with it, bro. I can't explain it. You touch that shit and you start speaking in an English accent and shit. Well, you know, when I started, <laughs> my acting is smooth out there. I said, well, take this shit. <laughs> so when you see people that win them Oscars and shit, that's a curse, bro. I said, I don't want that. I'm, I want to go tell these jokes. I went on the comedy tour after that. I was at Madison Square Garden. And at that time, there was rumors that me and Oprah were in some type of relationship, which was funny. So I went on stage. I said, man, they say I'm dating everybody. <laughs> no, <Nah>, man. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, 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 but but I, but I, but we was cool that, and I did the joke. I said they said I'm dating everybody, and so I said so I'm laying in the bed with Oprah. I leaned over to Gail and I said, Hey man, this is crazy, right? Hey, step and give me some juice, right? Standing ovation. Stand, and I said if uh, I think the joke was if I wasn't making love to Oprah, she'd have a brand new episode of her of her favorite things. And I did the whole thing. Jamie, we got some Jamie love. Jamie love. Come get Jamie love. Oh, shit. 2012, uh, Django. How did that come about? Yo, 2012, I had changed management. And uh, um, literally, like, I heard about Django, man. Through, I heard about Django from uh, uh, Tyler Perry. Mm. Tyler Perry was like, have you, heard, have you heard about this Django, this Django movie? He says, yeah, it's with, um, with um, uh, Quentin Tarantino. I said, oh, that shit sounds crazy. So he was, he was talking about it. And then Will Smith, and I was like, man, uh, Will, you got to do that shit. I said, motherfucker. He was like, well, he didn't know if he wanted to play a slave. I said, yeah, yeah you're not a slave. You're a hero, though. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so he passed... And then uh, I seen a motherfucker, uh, Idris Elba. Uh, Idris I was at a show. I was doing a show. He came back and said, yeah, you heard this uh, smoothie, uh, smoothie, uh, Django, Quentin Tarantino. What's your thoughts? What's your thoughts in the movie? Quentin Tarantino, something about Django. You know? I was like, man, yo, yo good-looking black motherfucking ass better do that shit, man. I don't know, you know, it's just that one more time, 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 do it again. Quentin Tarantino's doing his movie, you know, it's called Django. You don't know, what do you think? I said, man, yo, good looking motherfucking ass, you gotta do this shit, man. But for whatever reason, they all passed, and then I got a chance to come in and meet Quentin Tarantino, and the thing was, is that, you know, he never saw Ray. You know, so the way the way he saw Ray was that he was looking for wardrobe lady and the wardrobe lady did Ray. So he watched it, had me come in and I was already 
off script. I was already off book. Again, being prepared, man, being that sophomore in, in football, being ready. And uh, and I told him I know about the, the word nigga and all that. I understand what that was back then. Mm-hmm. And it's necessary to tell the story. So that don't bother me. I'm a, I understand that. And then I told him, I said, but here's the thing, though, dog. I got my own horse. And he said, you got your own fucking horse? I said, yeah, I got my own horse. What the fuck? I said, yeah, it's outside, bro. And I said, not only that, but your stunt horse looked just like my horse. We just got to paint the feet. Just paint the, paint the shoes white and we good. And so he was like, I've never in my entire fucking life heard of somebody bringing a horse. I said, I got my horse right outside, bro. Let's go. What we doing? And boom, I got on the movie, bro. Damn. That's dope. That's, That's fucking crazy. No, and then when we got into the movie, man, you know, it was it was volatile, but it was a movie that for black and white folks, but it was the first time you saw a black character really be the hero, and that was all Quentin Tarantino. Mm. He really wanted that to happen. And when Django came out, man, you know, it it, it was gangbusters. And it was like, you know, it, 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 uh, it, you know, it moved the culture in a different way. It shook them up, yeah. And, yeah, and, and people didn't understand the history of Django. There have been Django's made years back. Django was a character from Italy, from the Spaghetti Westerns. That's how you got Clint Eastwood. Damn. So when I did that, that version, bro, when I go to Italy or any of these places, I can't even walk the street because that was, Their you know, shit. that was like the superhero. Yeah, so, so uh, it, it all worked out. That's beautiful. What was it like working with Leo? To me, one of the most underrated uh, actors of our generation. What was it like being able to team up with him on that? First of all, that, that's the homie, man. A lot of people don't know. Like, Leo's like a real, real dude. And, and you know, you don't have to, I don't, I don't validate nobody just because they into the culture. But, like, Leo stood in line for the Biggie album. Mm. Back in the day, Talk his best him. friend is, 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 is Q-tip. <laughs> that you know that say a lot. Not, that say a lot. Yeah, that that's why that's why in Wolf of Wall Street when he pop like it, that's really him. That motherfucker, like he really on the shit. The motherfucker, he, he some, does his thing. He got he, some nigga in him. I, oh man, all the way. And the cold part about it was, you know, he knows the whole rap, all the scenario. Here we go, yo. Here, I, one day I'm gonna get that motherfucker to do that shit, but. He's a real dude, and when he came onto the set, when we first did the uh, the read through, he had problems with the word nigga, though, because he was saying, and then he said, "Oh, pal, I, I can't, I can't say this. I, I just can't do it." And then Samuel Jackson goes, "Hey, motherfucker, it's just another Tuesday. <laughs> Fuck these niggas." I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> motherfucker, say that shit. Motherfucker, shit. It's another motherfucking Tuesday. I was like, so. He had to really wrap himself into that character. And at one point I said, I pulled him to the side, I said, Leo, listen, I ain't your friend right now. We back in the day. Mm-hmm. And if we was back in the day, they would, they would kill you hanging out with me, talking to me face to face. So you got to let that shit go. Man, the next day that motherfucker came into the set and I said, what's up, Leo? Leo, what's up? What's up? They'll speak to me. When they say action, the motherfucker went in his bag. And mm. that's one of the calls. That's one of the coldest performances. You check that performance out, and and he he talks about the performance. I won't I won't say some of the private stuff that he talked about. I won't say who it is, but there was this black guy when he grew up. He used to hang out with, and so he mimicked that character for 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 that movie, man. So powerful, motherfucker, man. When he came onto the, when him and Samuel finally came onto the set, man, the motherfuckers walking in slow motion with their vapes and shit, man. 
real Hollywood stars, all-star. Imagine an all-star. Samuel, Leo. Mm -hmm. I mean, them motherfuckers was going at it. So that's why that movie uh, did what it did. Beautiful thing. Speak to us a little bit about how important social justice and uh, equality is to you in your life and, 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 you know, the the role you played uh, in, in bringing more attention on the Trayvon Martin situation. Well, I mean, look, man, it, the one thing about social media, what it has done, it's pulled up the carpet. Mm-hmm. It lets us see something that we've been, something that we've known about for a long time. Right. The underground, the, 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 the sincerity and the racism. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's wide open. Even if you look at today's world, what's going on right now, what happened to, I think the mayor of Georgia just posted something that was, you know, these, uh, these terrible, terrible words mm-hmm. that, that someone... DM to I, live here, yeah. I live out here. I live out here in, in Georgia, yeah. and uh, they, they it's, it's somebody. Somebody called us some names, and she posted it for to put them on blast. But to let you know that yeah. you know that ain't gonna stop her from what she's trying to do. Yeah, and so so now, like I said, we've known about this mm-hmm. for all our lives. Now we're dealing with it face to face. So doing movies like Just Mercy uh, with Michael B. Jordan, man, man, uh, it's so important. Great it's so movie, important man. because. Thanks, man. Thank Beautiful. you. And yep. it's so important because, you know, Michael B. Jordan, what he's doing for the for the culture, man, like when he did, uh, you know, when he did Fruitville Station, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like he started laying that narrative down. And even when he did Black Panther, he still had a narrative for us mm-hmm. that was, you know, important highlighting us, important for us. So Just Mercy is just the evolution of that, you know, doing a, a movie to where we put the spotlight on a person who's wrongly accused of a rape and put on death row without a trial. And when we got into these roles, man, we knew we were doing something special and important. Absolutely. And because it, it sits home with me, man. You know, my pops, he was a coach at Lincoln High School, man. They put my pops in jail for $25 worth of illegal substance. They put him in jail for seven years. Mm. Come on, man. Mm. This dude was an educator for 25 years in the hood. He would have kids at the school seven days a week just so they wouldn't get shot or or give them something to eat. So here they take this man who would bring the judge to the school, who would talk to the kids. You know, that very judge presided over his case, put him in jail with some of the kids that he had taught. You feel what I'm saying, Steve? It's, It's personal. And the thing is, is that I don't go visit nobody in jail, bro. I don't do that. I, I can't. I can't. And even my pops, I said, I, I told him I can't see you like that. And I, I see you as a king. I, I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't see you like that. So I wrote him one letter. I said, when you get out, I'm gonna save your life. And I fought. I fought them people. I fought them people for years. And you know they didn't understand that my pops, man, was so important to me. He will. He made me rounded. Like he showed me how to play tennis. Mm-hmm. I said, why are we learning? Why are we learning what white people do? He said, because I want you to be able to go everywhere. So imagine me playing tennis with my pops, man, you know, in Texas. Couldn't play at the country club, but he, we was getting it in. So when he get out, man, this is 2001. He get out, I said, listen, I'm gonna save your life. You come live with me. He right over there right now. We've been here for almost 20 years. Beautiful. 20 years now together, man. So, That's dope. And, and, and so it's, it's important that we keep that narrative, that we don't get exhausted. That's what's great about Brian Stevenson. The, the, the lawyer that uh, Michael B. Jordan played, he doesn't get exhausted. He keeps ringing the bell saying we have injustices. And injustice will always rear its ugly head in the most inopportune time. Facts, Look at facts, it now. Facts. We're, we're, we're dealing with COVID and who's going to be the one who are going to suffer the worst? Yes. We are. 
because of the injustice, because of the way we're structured in in society. We don't have the health care. We don't even when it comes to the money that they're giving out right now. What are black businesses going to do when you see everybody else sort of posturing to get the money? How do they get the money? So it's, it's a whole lot of things that we touch on just by doing the movie. And we just have to keep it. We have to keep it going. Our art is, is our way to crack that code, is our way to open people's eyes. And I think, you know, like we'll continue to do that. Continuing to be great is the only way because we yeah. move, yeah. we set culture, we move culture, we yeah. shift culture, we are culture. So that's the only and way I to continue. And I, and I appreciate you, Matt. Like sometimes I, I've heard you speak, man. I heard you speak about a situation. I don't want to go into it now, but I heard you speak about a situation where you said, no, we don't have to live like that no more. Mm-hmm. We have our own voices. Okay. And I thought what you and Stephen do, man, like I don't even think y'all know, but it means so much because you keep it real. But at the same time, there's a level of intelligence and a level of I, I, I'm black and I'm proud to it. That, that that makes us feel good about it. You know what I mean? Man, thank you. Yeah. That means a lot, especially thank coming man, from you, bro. It, bro. We appreciate oh, that. Oh, for so. sure. What actor filmmaker should we have on our show? Now, listen, before you answer this question, who, yes. if, whoever you say, <laughs> whoever the answer is, and you have that connect, which I'm sure you do, you got to connect you them. Know, in, you you already said, you know them. everybody. Yeah, you I know do. everybody. So who do you think should be a guest on our show? You should have Leo, man. Ooh. Perfect. Leo. Yes, I'm, I'm glad yeah, you said it. that. That's and, the and not, not only that, there was a, a, a black honors, and uh, he came out and gave me the award, man. And I explained to Leo, I said, Leo, it's not that we're looking for validation, but when people like yourself lend yourself uh, or give your energy to us it goes everywhere. Uh, it means a and, lot and, dog and he'll sports it he'll sports it you gotta have him because he, he'll sports it and I, I guarantee you i'll work on him man but he he's a he's a he's a dope motherfucker love that well, that's the love same that. way we feel Who's about you actor, coming on our actress. show bro you don't know what you're doing for our show so hell yeah oh, hell yeah on, man i appreciate this, we appreciate man. it man hell yeah good call jack uh who's an actor or actress you haven't worked with yet that you would like to Mm, D, mm. Denzel. Denzel. I want to work with, I want to mm. work with D. Man. Man, you know, D, man, like, like, back to the party. I threw a party here, different kind of party where I had, we featured D. D came to the party, sat at the table, and he just, uh, he just broke it down. Uh, like, all the actors and actresses were here, and he was just giving us the keys, you know, to, you know, uh, to, to how to, you know, make shit right, you know, in the business, you know, you know, you know how you talk, you know. Of course, you got to do your thing, you know, whatever, no boom, get it, motherfuckers doing that shit. But he was breaking shit down so incredible for us. I said, man, I got to work with him because I know when you work with him, you're going to elevate. Brings out your greatness. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> My nigga. My All right. nigga. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because right. we, right. we had a, we had a, carry, we had a, a, a mariachi band for him. He said, I said, yo, D, we got a mariachi band for you. You got a mariachi band? All right. Okay. Mariachi band? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got a mariachi band? All right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Oh, my nigga. That's funny as hell. <laughs> hey, what's your favorite, um, what's your favorite TV series? Recent. Favorite, favorite recent? TV series yeah. of all time? Uh, Sanford and Son. Ooh, oh, man. Oh. I, I'm watching that. I, was, I watch that every day. I'm sorry. I'm with Yo, you Yo, bro, that. I watch that shit, bro. Like, I was watching that shit the other day when the motherfuckers, <laughs> the TV got stolen and shit. Just, just classic, man. That, that, that's my shit. <laughs> One of the greats. You mentioned early on in the 90s, everyone was around. You were around everyone. Any cool Biggie or Pac stories? Mm. Oh, man, shit. Tupac used to just be out. I remember one time we was at the comedy store. We was looking at Pac. 
But we didn't we didn't look at him like Tupac. It was like right. that's you know, hunt, yeah. fly nigga. Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody pulled a gun out, <laughs> nigga. <laughs> somebody pulled a gun at the comedy store and shot that motherfucker. We was like, ah. And so just running down the street with Tupac. That's crazy. You know, when you think back about it, it was crazy. And then, you know, we would see him out. And I remember that night, the, the night the night he passed away. I remember him, like, it was so crazy, man. Like, in the argument with these guys. And we was like, Pop, man, fuck them niggas, man. These motherfuckers, it ain't worth it. It ain't worth it, whatever. And I was living in Vegas at the time. And then that night, man, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, the whole world stopped, man. Nice. And I remember walking into the, I remember walking into the, uh, the MGM Grand and, and MC Hammer walked up to me and said, man, he gone. Mm. And this was early. He was like, stop, man, cut that bullshit, man. We just seen him. So unfortunately, um, you know, that story, but just to be able to know Tupac. I remember mm-hmm. I remember how he was so nice to my mom. Like, wow. we were at this thing called the Urban League, right? You know, some guys was chirping at him. He was like, oh, but he turned around and saw my mom. It was so gracious, man. And we said, how you doing, sweetheart? You know, so mannerable and so cool. So I don't know, man. It's, 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 it's surreal that he's gone uh, and things like mm-hmm. that. But uh, those, mm-hmm. those used to be the homie. Then he yeah. came and did it in Living Color. Yeah. He came and did it in Living mm-hmm. Color. And when he came, man, it was just like, you know, you didn't realize that these were going to be moments that would last forever in time and be very significant because he wouldn't be here. But just happy-go-lucky fun. And just uh, just so sad, but at the same time, beautiful to be able to have those moments. Absolutely. <clears throat> What's your favorite sports moment? Uh, LeBron James coming back 3-1. Yeah, that's big. Mm. That's big. That's big. Yeah, that was big. That was, that was big. That that's was, a big that was, moment. That was yeah. That's a big moment a big in history. Moment. If you can sit courtside at any game in NBA history, what game would it be? Oh, it would be... Uh, Damn. It would be 80... Uh, when, when was... Magic Johnson... Mm-hmm. When he hit the hook... Is that 87? 87? Is that 87? 86, 87? Yeah. 87. 87. 87. Yeah. God almighty, bro. Beautiful. You want to talk about beauty, poetry, emotion. Mm-hmm. I'll, ne- I'll never forget that. And what's crazy was I was in college and me... And and my roommate, you know, he was white from like Norm, uh, from Oklahoma, and you know we wasn't tripping, you know we wasn't tripping on the on the uh, uh, on the teams because you know I was a Maverick fan, but at the same time, we just automatically started rooting. I said, he said, come on, come on. I was like, come on. I said, come on, Magic. And next thing you know, we got on Laker jerseys, whatever like that, and just just to see that see that shit play out like that, bro. Mm-hmm. That's just amazing. I would love to sit, sit course out with that. That's history. Um, your favorite impersonation. Yeah, your favorite impersonation. Give us that character real quick. Who's your favorite person to... Celebrity. Damn. Favorite celebrity to, 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 to mimic. The favorite celebrity. Uh, shit. There's so many. Like, I know. He do damn near everybody. It's, it's, it's got to be Mike Tyson right now. All right, so we at the beggar segment, right? This is a part of the yeah, segment. This is a part of the segment where you know we all we all fans of all the, all our guests and some things we want to ask for. So this is yeah, my sure. Matt. Are you involved today, Matt? No, I just want to be on set. All right, cool. So bam, Matt is is helping me launch my my uh, my acting career because he's gonna be behind the camera. You know, what I'm saying doing a lot of stuff. <laughs> so yeah. so 
not only do I want to be on set one of your movies and kind of learn from you and kind of see how you move around and how you do how you get into character but i also if you have something going on let your boy get a cameo or something cameo man. got it i got it already texas, Look, texas boys gonna we gotta hold jack, each other down man jack, listen we gonna hold each other down jack listen this this is what we gonna do jack i got a new tv show on netflix Ooh. it's called dad stop embarrassing me and it's about <laughs> me and my it's about me and my oldest daughter all the shit that we don't went through from the boys to the to the to the to the, the, the drinks to everything. So we just sold it. We shot just before we went down. Bro, you gotta come on. Man, it's, it's that's all dope, man. I appreciate out. it. Yo, man. I'm serious, Jack. I'm dead. I'm serious, Jack. I'm coming. Come on, man. We gotta make that shit, Hell, man. Yeah. That shit be good. I'm I dead make love the pressure. I make love the pressure, man. <laughs> hey, 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 Matt, hey, Matt. I'm finna go get come some on, real man. lessons, baby. Yeah. Get ready. Bro, on, we man. got listen, and we gotta put it in the script of where you have to say that. So damn, are you are, are you nervous? <laughs> I make love to pressure, I make love to pressure, motherfucker. Yeah, I like I that. It, I like man. that. Yeah. Hey, man, well, Jamie, thank you for your time, man. We man, really appreciate you, it. It means appreciate a lot it. to us. Thank you, you for your time. Thank you, guys, man. Thanks for your All time. time. You guys man, keep inspiring, it. Thank you, man. Hey, that's a thank wrap. Thank you. Uh, man, amazing episode with our brother Jamie man, Fox. You can man, catch man, us man. on Showtime, Basketball, YouTube, or all platform streaming podcasts. All of them. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk? Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You have a call from an inmate at Williamson County Jail. What's up, bro? Did you do it? What? Did you do it? 
In the state of Texas, there is no bigger community activity than high school football. It's Friday Night Lights. Greg was one of the best football players. He's smart, athletic. The momentum he had is unlike most students ever experience. I got a text message with Greg Kelly's photo, and it just said, do you know this kid? There was a crime committed, according to this four-year-old boy. I just turned numb. Like, this can't be true, this can't be true. And that's when a second victim came forward. Will the jury find the defendant, Gregory Kelly, guilty of the offense? This trial was a sham. There's been an outcry. Everyone's saying, you got the wrong guy. That could have been me. That could have been any of us. They've built him up to be angelic. Then you fast forward to the search warrants, and you get a different picture. Did you ever have you take a lie detector test? Yeah. I've passed every question but one. We've been on this journey to try to figure out what the truth is, and it's proven difficult at every turn. Initially, I was pretty convinced of his innocence. Now I wouldn't be surprised either way. This life was all I ever wanted. I'm not leaving. Not yet. I was hoping you'd say that. We gotta hit the streets, make some money. People like us must destroy people like him. Buckle up. Get Showtime free at Showtime.com.